crime, you purse-scrubbing pukes. And this is uh, the penalty. <laughs> two minutes for slashing, two minutes for hooking, and lest I forget my personal favorite, two minutes for a high stick. <laughs> How about a five-minute game misconduct for roughing, pal? Hey, bogey. Now, who died and made you referee? You did your job, now get out of here and let me do mine. These JV lowlifes need to be taught a lesson. Not like that, they don't. Not from you. Well, it looks like you're the one who needs to be taught a lesson, pal. Class is pain 101. Your instructor's Casey Jones. Look, I don't want to fight you. Well, tough rocks, pal. <laughs> a Jose can say go back. Tell me, you didn't pay money for this. Ooh, that's it. Stupid one sale, pal. Hey, what are you, some sort of punker? Huh? God, I hate punkers. Especially bald ones with green makeup. We wear masks over ugly faces. No better! Strike one! understands cricket. You gotta know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. I'll teach you. Six months. Slow freak, I got work to do. Freak! Freak! What the heck was that? Looked like sort of a big title in a trench coat. You're going to LaGuardia, right? And that was our featured Joygasm moment of the week. Of course, this being Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the very first film that came out in 1990. And this particular scene, we get to see the first encounter between Casey Jones and Raphael, and of course, there's a lot of wisecracking that ensues. A little bit of the old put-down humor back and forth. Wisecracking and wise beating. Now, I do think, well, you know, when I think back to this, first of all, this was one of our favorite films ever as kids. And even to this day, I mean, it is such a classic film. And I remember that we had gone to see it for my birthday, we had got brought uh, a bunch of the boys together, and we were at the Washington Square Cinemas in Petaluma, Steve. Very small theater indeed. Indeed. It was before any of the other uh, more upgraded, updated, better theaters that were there. But I don't know. I could still remember the smell of that theater. I can still feel the stick on the bottom of my shoes when you watched a movie, tried to exit the theater, and... Noticed it was a bunch of melted lollipops, butter from popcorn, Indeed. chewing gum, any kind of melted candy caramel. Okay, I'll be out there in a second. Yeah, the, it, was, okay. it was one of those types of theaters that was before the whole THX thing that 
really took the theater industry by storm and mm-hmm. gave everybody a proper experience. But I remember Boy, being particularly yeah. excited, yeah. as were you, Steve. Yeah. Because we did not know that Casey Jones was going to be actually in the movie. That's true. He was not in the preview. Was not indeed. He was absent from the previews, and I believe this was the the first time we are introduced to him in the movie. We are. Um. Well, yes and no. We saw him. No, actually, no. We, that yeah, I think yes. That, that was, was the, the first uh, appearance of him in the in the movie. Yeah, because I think later on in the movie he is watching TV and looks over across the building. He's like, tips, he's like tops and sees Raphael getting his butt beat. He's tuning a radio or something. Yeah, yeah, and he sees Raphael because at that point he's kind of uh, upset and and he's stewing and that sort of thing. He's uh, what, what's a good word for it, Steve? Letting off steam. There you go. There you go. But I remember just really loving who they chose for Casey Jones. I feel like he really did embody it because prior to the film, all we had was the cartoon back in the day, like around 1987, I think is when it got launched. And of course, you and I really did love the character Casey Jones as well as how he talked. You know, he had a anger management problem wherever he's... There was something going on. His solution was to break something. Of course, that voice had stayed with us all through years and into today. Yeah, there were so many memorable voices from that particular cartoon. And I'm glad that it carried over. Like, this particular film was just... I mean, there were so many great memorable scenes from the whole thing. And I was really, really just tickled as to how they introduced Casey Jones. And also we got to see kind of the, the back and forth banter between Raphael and Casey right. because Raphael was actually pretty angry through the majority of this he film, was. which I, you know, it, it was a bit of a surprise because he was more of kind of the smart ass of the group. You know, he had a lot of the, the wisecracking anecdotes yeah, was, and that sort of thing. Probably more, no, not about the wisecracks, but he was more of like the aggressive Probably of the yeah. four, I would say, because Michelangelo was more the wisecracker. Michael, well, Michelangelo was like the party dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was like, kind of like the funny but guy. But if you recall, like in the cartoon, Raphael had more of like kind of the one-liners that he would zing toward the enemies. And, you know, like I remember them fighting Rocksteady and Bebop. And I think it was like during their first encounter where Raphael says, didn't I see you in the Jungle Book? You know, stuff <laughs> like that. That was just a lot of fun. But this film was, was very different in the sense where he had just pure anger at times, um, which, I mean, of course, it really does help to distinguish the, the different personalities of turtles. Well, if you were going to set the scene here, I, if anybody hadn't seen it, what goes on basically is this is a little bit after the beginning of the movie where Raphael loses. I lost a sigh. A sigh. And that's why he's PO'd. Mm-hmm. And so the, he has, a, you know, the, the, the turtles just had their first butt kicking session where they did the kicking and Master Splinter gives them a little bit of advice. They're having some pizza, yada, yada, yada. Raphael goes out to blow some steam at a movie. Mm-hmm. Leaves the movie and notices a elderly woman get her purse snatched by a couple of thugs. Raphael trips him. That's the first little <laughs> that you hear. And um, yeah, lifts his trench coat a little bit to expose the last sigh that he has. Of course, these guys don't want to get uh, 
cut nor nothing. And so they jump over the wall, probably into Central Park, I'm, I'm guessing. And uh, that's when they say, what was that? I don't know. <laughs> and that's when Casey Jones jumps probably out of, down from out of a tree. He's got his hockey mask on. Looks like kind of a more angry hockey mask, if I'm honest. It's um, awesome. Would make even Jason from the Jason series might yeah, give the heebie-jeebies. Anyhow... Has a hockey stick in hand, whaps a dude in the face, uh, throws the leg out from the other one. So the both thugs are on the ground, and that's when he's saying what he's saying. And Raphael jumps out from behind him, pushes him down, and the thugs run away. Now this makes Casey Jones a little upset, Russ, because he wants mm-hmm. to. He gets his little jollies off by beating up bad guys. That's right. You know that's what I'm right. He's, he's a little. Uh, what would you call it? Uh, not an Avenger, but uh, I don't know. Just someone who. Just try and do good in the world, Russ. Yeah, he, 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 by, by laying a little smack down. Exactly. He's not a rich guy. Vigilante. But, uh, vigilante. There you go. So anyhow, um, to get Raphael back from letting the baddies go, they have a little sparring L- session. little exchange. A little exchange with baseball bats. Which, by the way, actually was brilliant, too, because not only do we first get... Those are used, by the way. Oh, my gosh. You he know what? went for the used pile of Kleenex. <sighs> there is a Kleenex box right now. You know, still. I wouldn't even need a Kleenex if, if, if you you I hadn't it. come over here <laughs> and get exposed to you, your daughter, and your wife all blowing your noses and sneezing. Hey, you know, Sure, you're not going to get it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> now, as I was saying, Steve, I'm, I'm just doing you a favor. I could, You know what? The older brother in me was tempted to just let you roll with it and use a already used Kleenex just to see if you'd notice. You would. <laughs> anyway, not only do we get the wonderful surprise of having Casey Jones added to the roster of characters in this film and we get introduced to him, but also too, just the way he was dressed and how he went through his repertoire of different melee weapons that he had on his person over the course of like two minutes, which was great because that was a part of Casey Jones too, was just he, his whole approach to dishing out punishment was all based around like hockey sticks and baseball bats and stuff. And I loved how this film dates itself. When Raphael catches one of the bats, he says, Oh, Jose can say go bat. Tell me you didn't pay money for this because it makes sense. If you think about it, 1990 was right around the time that the Oakland A's were just a force to be reckoned with. And that was the, the whole bash brothers thing between Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco. So that was a lot of fun too. And of course, subsequent scenes after that are just as fun. Of course, seeing uh, Casey Jones and April have the budding romantic relationship go on, which I must say, Steve, I'm compelled to tell you, mm-hmm. I saw the the sequel to the latest Turtles movie uh, series that they've been doing. <laughs> this Casey Jones blows the newer Casey Jones out of the water, hands yeah. down, no contest whatsoever. Yeah. It, I mean, he really did embody the persona of Casey Jones. And really, when I think about all the different Turtles films that have come out since this first one, none of them are as good. They're, they're nowhere near close as, as right. normal, good, classic, whatever. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Jim Henson's crew was involved with this one. There you so, go. So, anyway... You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I am Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich, and we are in a food coma in episode 149 today, November 28th, 2019. Of course, this day being Thanksgiving, we've just eaten our fair share of 
the very tasty morsels and doodads that one can expect from that. And I think we're all feeling very uncomfortably full. What say you, Steve? I wouldn't say uncomfortably full. I would say very satisfied full, but a full with a touch of sleepiness. Yes, exactly. Hence the food coma. Right. We're going to go into our topic of the day, which is our Frozen 2 movie review. Of course, we will be giving our high-level thoughts and then going into our spoiler territory analysis. But before we go through any of that, Steve, uh, how you doing? Russ, life is, uh, life's been pretty good. Being married, you know, nice to have someone around the house, a pretty someone. Indeed. Come home to, you know. As opposed to an ugly someone. Right. Now, I will say, you're going to be disappointed, but my gaming has taken a fall. My movie watch. Why am I not surprised? My Steve? my movie watching has increased. My gaming has de- decreased. I am not surprised in the slightest. The more gaming, uh, the, well, the more the most gaming I've been doing has been on the mobile stuff. Oh, I've been continuing playing Shining Force. I actually downloaded Crazy Taxi. If you remember that, I one. do. It's another Sega classic. Yes, yes, and so that's been fun. And uh, so movie wise, I've been getting the. Uh, the wifey all caught up on some stuff. Uh, as well you should. Right. So we watched, we watched, what did we watch? We watched True Lies. I had to show her that one. Classic. She had never seen it. And You're fired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she loved it. She thought it was a great movie. You know, I, I need to update that one. I think I bought probably the very first DVD release of that movie. Did you know? Because the resolution is so bad. So bad, Rose, that I put it in the PlayStation to watch, and the resol- it had to scrunch down the screen. Oh, in order to play it accurately. Oh, and I would see, I would get so excited, I punged my microphone. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, okay, I'm gonna put it in the Xbox. I think Xbox actually has a better Blu ray player, Russ, slash DVD player. And so I put it in there, only the thingy with the Xbox is if, if you leave it idle for too long and then you wake it up to put a movie in. It, it, it freezes. It peters out on it you. It peters out. So then I put it in the old glory Blu-ray player that I bought probably 10, 15 years ago. Uh-huh. And that played it all widescreen, but it was just kind of grainy. I don't know. It was okay. I got to upgrade that one. Also. I understand. Did, did she enjoy it? She immensely enjoyed it, yes. Good. It was a good night. Anyhow, so we haven't done this in a while, Russ. This I haven't uh, done back and forth, telling, you know, catching up. Because last time, we just went right into the topic of the day. Well, because we had a lot to cover. Uh, we ha- I know. I'm just saying. So, th- this has been going on since, like, Veterans Day. See, and that's why you have absolutely no excuse why you don't have any new games to talk of, Steve. Because you've had two weeks, at least, to be able to play some games. So It's time to introduce the stipulations to the newly minted bride-to-be right. of yours. Well, not to be. It's bride aftermath. I don't know. <laughs> Bride currently, currently. That's not terrible. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. So, you put your foot down. And you're like, hey, I need to play this. <laughs> Do whatever you want. It's my game time. I need me time now. <laughs> no, that's bad. Anyway, so let's see. So I told you last time or the time before that that I had to get. Uh, we were soldiers mm, on our yes. Veterans Day, so I got that. We watched it, and then let's see. We watched. Oh, I watched Creed two. And very good. I, very, very good. I saw the first one. 
I saw the first and the second. I have not seen the second one. Second one is very good. You ought to, you ought to see that one. I, I think they, I don't know if he's going to do a Creed 3, but it would make sense if he just stopped it right now where it is because it's, it's really good. It probably needs to stop. Right. And let's see. We Then we watched Hotel Mumbai. Okay. Hotel Mumbai is about... It actually didn't happen not, not too long ago, but there were some um, terrorists that uh, invaded the Taj Mahal. I think I've seen that Have movie, you? actually. Yeah, a lot of the, the, these, uh, these folks were fleeing like they... This this area in India, it doesn't have really any security like whatsoever. Yeah, like the police only have like pistols. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, these terrorists thought this would be the perfect place to exhibit some terror with little resistance. And so they were doing their batty stuff, and a lot of folks took refuge in the Taj Mahal. And it was actually they uh, were locked in there for quite some time. Anyhow. Got out and had a happy ending. So um, <laughs> that's, what, that's uh, catching up uh, with me. Well, that's good, Steve. Glad to hear it. I beat the Outer Worlds. Did you? I did indeed. I am not even off the first planet. I've talked to everybody. Well, stop watching movies and start yeah. playing some games. God, lay that foot down there, Steve. <laughs> I will tell you that the game itself Overall was, it was just a fun game to play. There was nothing like just supremely memorable or anything like that. I would have to say the the bright spot, and I've said this before, it really is in the dialogue. They, they, you could tell they had a lot of fun coming up with these characters and some of the idiosyncrasies that you run across as you're talking to them. I found that to be a lot of fun. But in terms of everything else, I I wish, honestly, there was an additional 30 hours of play because essentially I reached the end of the game just as I was starting to get into my merry band of troops, my crew. And before I knew it, I was like, wow, okay. um, I guess we're kind of uh, at the, the point of no return here. That's surprising. So... I chalk it up to a game that was like, yeah, you know, for the, for the timing, I think it was released at just the right time. I think it was an easy game to just sit down. It doesn't demand all this crazy attention and the, the action in it was, was fine. Again, it was, it wasn't a game that was like on an RDR two level or anything like that, but it was a game that, um, it's like fishy crackers, Steve, you know, you, if you're hungry, you eat it and then you, you feel, uh, pleasant or adequately filled for that time period, but you know that you need to eat a steak to fully be uh, transcended into the world of flavor. That makes any sense, Dan. Now, this game to me is a slow burner. You were always calling The Witcher a slow burner game. This game is a slow burner. Allow me to clarify for you, Steve. Once you get off the first planet that you're on, uh, things really start to pick up. Uh, so. They're, they're, they're using that initial planet as kind of the exposition to introduce you to the world of outer worlds, as well as the gameplay mechanics and that sort of thing. So naturally, you're not going to have all this stuff going on all at one time. So don't worry about that. Whereas with The Witcher, it was like throughout the entire game until probably the very end when things start really uh, picking up and that sort of thing. I mean, it, it really is a, a slow burner of a game. I loved it. Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I I loved it too. I loved it. You were the one who was responsible in 
getting me back into that game, Steve, because I, I kind of had Firing lost Firing up hope. the burners. Yeah, yeah. I had reached a point in the game where I was like, you know, I, this game isn't grabbing me. It's it's weird. And luckily, you were able to handhold me back to the light. Mm. I'm so glad that you did. Speaking of Witcher, the, uh, the December is right around the corner. It is. It is indeed. Now, one of the fun things I thought would be fun to go over, seeing as how it's Thanksgiving, is I came across this New York Post survey that was taken. There are three different types of surveys, and each one of them I thought would be a lot of fun for us to go over, considering the fact that this is around the, the time of year where you have lots of friends and family that get together in confined spaces for an extended period of time which doesn't normally happen always. But, you know, of course, I was looking at uh, some of the stats on it. One in five Americans will be hosting somebody this year. 63% of the folks who responded said that they enjoy those times, which means that uh, that's roughly like two thirds. Uh, the remaining one third do not. And uh, I'm not exactly sure why they would subject themselves to doing something like that if they don't enjoy it. It's probably out of social obligation, I would imagine. But the first one is the 10 most annoying things guests do while staying at someone's home. And I'll go from uh, bottom to top, from 10 to one. How about that? Number 10, be too demanding. That's kind of like a universal thing. You know, when you have guests come over and they say, I want this. Sorry, I, I demand that. This ain't Starbucks. We serve coffee at 119 degrees, not 120. <laughs> hey, I only sleep in silk sheets. That sort of thing. <laughs> Number nine, come back drunk. Mm. Which I thought was interesting because you, you, it's not like you got drunk at the house. They talked about how, I guess you leave to take a break from family and then come back to the house drunk? This is the only way I could do it with relatives. Like a <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few things to shade all of you. You need some liquid courage to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight, leave a mess in the bathroom. Ooh. Ooh. It's going right through me. We didn't cook the bird enough. Oh, man. <laughs> man. It's like a fatality in here. <laughs> Don't go in there. <laughs> What's the other one? It's like there's fatality, bestiality, no, bestiality. No, what is it? Not bestiality. Fatality, brutality. Brutality. Right. There's also a babality. Babality. Yeah, I was getting the brutality and the babality mixed in, and that would be, <laughs> be so creepy if you were playing Mortal Kombat 11, and it's like bestiality. No, I think they actually have an animality in there. Like you can transform your dude into like an animal, and then they maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Don't ask me why I have bestiality on the brain, Steve. Russ, that's gross. <laughs> Number seven. Stay up all night with the volume up on the TV. Now that, I I, I, I can see that. I can see how that would be annoying. Where all night after eating turkey? And yeah, yeah. Imagine you're a guest in someone's house and, you know, the, maybe a football game comes on or you're watching a movie that you like and you're just like, oh, this part's great. This is great. Let me turn this up. Ah. 
Yeah, and it's like, you know, midnight or one in the morning or something, and you're keeping up everybody else. Like, like, hey, Bob, nice. come on up and like a listen to these loudspeakers. <laughs> I just had them installed, and I fit you the bill. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how loud it can go, Joe. Okay. Yeah, that Back to the Future <laughs> moment. <laughs> Number six. Or smoke no, as, like, as in the guest decides they're going to light up a little cigarette or maybe a cigar or a little marijuana, you know? Although I must say, in this day and age, I think that's kind of a rarity. I mean, it's in American culture, I think the majority of folks, it's just it's, it's expected that the, the houses are kind of a non-smoking area. So for someone to just kind of light up I think uh, <laughs> that that would be kind of a awkward situation. I think, yeah, not sure. Number five, be too loud. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I just returned from an ACDC concert. I'm a little deaf. <laughs> Number four, leave a mess when departing. That's always a bummer. I gotta say, yeah. If you can imagine that, you know, without that, thanks for cooking, thanks for hosting, thanks for yeah, bye. Goosh. Wait a minute, it looks like a tornado just flew through here. Did he actually just leave five minutes after he ate? <laughs> Number three, break or damage a host's belongings. <laughs> Nuts. <laughs> oh. Uh, you, you, you didn't really want that anyway, right? <laughs> it was an accident. <laughs> I, I, I could break the other ones too and just make them all universally wrong. You got any Elmer's glue? I'll put it all back together again. Patience like a saint right here. <laughs> I want to fix it. <laughs> Number two, snoop around. <laughs> oh. Yes, I can attest to this one. You know, there's something, you know, when, when you're hosting a place and you have lots of family and friends, some of which who, who don't normally come over, that sort of thing. You're gonna close certain doors to rooms and stuff because maybe you have a bunch of junk in there that you just threw in. You're just trying to make the common areas a bit more presentable. But there are times when people just, <laughs> and they don't even tell you, they, they just start walking around. You're like, hey, where did so-and-so go? And all of a sudden you realize, oh, they're in my bedroom. And they're like going through like my dresser. <laughs> You had these boxers. Hmm. You're supposed to get, get out. <laughs> Don't you know it says 50 shades up there? That <laughs> means stay out. <laughs> oh, look at here. I I guess you guys like the Karma Sutra. <laughs> what? And number one, arrive unannounced or without an invitation. Hey, which guys were eating over here? <laughs> I heard there was some big party happening. Don't know why you didn't call me up. I just figured, you know, you called the wrong number. No need to apologize. I'm already here. Let's eat. I went ahead and packed a two-weeker. Because <laughs> I know we're going to have some quality time. I would say perhaps one of the ways you can get around that is if you brought like your own food, mm. like say Thanksgiving, for instance, you're like, you, if you're carrying like a bunch of Tupperware and it has like different types of food that you've already prepared, 
Yeah, it would probably take the edge off. I can only think of one scene, which is in the first Hobbit. Feeling and Kimmy at your service. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I wasn't expecting any guests. Yeah. <laughs> How many of them were there? Uh, thir- uh, nine, I believe. Uh-huh. You're like, uh, 60, uh, no, I think there two. was, I think there was 13 total who came in, but that also, no, that was also included Bilbo and Gandalf. Uh-huh. The next part here are, let's see, 10 ways a, oh no, 10 ways hosts can make guests feel at home, Steve. So going once again from number 10 to number one, number 10, provide snacks and food in the room. That's kind of a, you know, kind of a standard thing. You want to make sure people's got got some munchies. Sure. Number nine, provide water in the room. This one's a bit. <clears throat> I don't know. It, it's a bit formal to me. For water. Yeah, like like because I imagine what they're talking about, like provide water in the room, like bottled water. Yeah, you got to wash the snacks down with something. Well, why can't they just go up to the kitchen and get a cup and get some water from the fridge? Because that's like saying get it yourself. You're trying to be a good host. Yeah, but I don't. I, I, I don't buy bottled water. No, or you could, yeah, or, or put cups of water out. I don't know, something. <laughs> sure. Okay. We'll you don't ahead. want people in the kitchen all the time. If you have twenty guests over, all trying to get water while you're trying, you have a bird in the oven, okay. and you got stuffing and pies sure. and whatever. maybe a pitcher of water, like something. Okay, that makes sense. Something that makes sense. Number eight, cook the meals. Makes sense. Um. You know, you, when you have everybody get together, uh, okay, you taking, assume they're going to eat. <laughs> you take a turns with the microwave. <laughs> we're all going to Denny's. Yeah. Don't eat anything in my house. <laughs> Plan B. <laughs> Number seven, make coffee every morning. Yeah, I agree with that. Number six, not make too much noise in the morning. I have got to say that I pride myself on being a morning ninja. I come out and I am very, very quiet, but I have been a guest in other people's houses where they are not morning ninjas. And honestly, I think they be, they're, they're like extra loud on purpose to get me to wake up. They are actually, they are the morning. I'll tell you morning people want others to get up with them and to enjoy the morning. So it doesn't matter. Like for instance, I'm not a morning person. Don't wake me up. I love my sleep, mm. but morning people will be like, Hey, Come on up, sleepyhead. How you doing? Oh, did you get to sleep last night? <laughs> and they have all this like rambunctious energy. Good they- morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Right. Uh, just give me a second. Yeah. Everybody, that that's common knowledge to everybody of being quiet in the morning when you have guests sleeping, except for morning people. Well, it's 8.30. You should get up. Number five, display the Wi-Fi password in the room. Oh, that's interesting. That sounds almost like a hotel thing. Yeah, a restaurant thing, yeah. Like, how would you display it in your house? You have guests come over and, I mean, I I don't know, maybe you put it on the fridge? Yeah. I mean, I don't do that. That's weird. I don't know. (laughs) I'm I'm not that good of a host. Number four, provide toiletries. Yeah, I could see that. Floss, anybody? Floss? Floss, floss. <laughs> or, I mean, like I could, you know, providing toiletries. My thing is, is when there's not enough toilet paper in the bathroom. Like I'm at someone else's house. I have to do a deuce 
and there's not enough toilet paper that you, you really do start to feel desperate. Of course, with the invention of the cell phone, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of uh, discreetly let someone who you trust know to hook you hey. up with a brand new roll of TP. Run to CVS real quick. I'm tired here. I'm not getting off this thing until I get toilet paper. It's getting dry and crusty. I need help. Number four. No, I'm sorry. I already said number four. Uh, number three, have a comfy bed. I feel as though that can be hit or miss because obviously we're not, you know, made of money. That's all relative, actually. Because what's comfy to me might not be comfy to you. True. But I would say more often than not, typically the, the, the guest beds are not necessarily the brand new beds. They tend to be beds that I used to sleep in and then I got a different bed. So then I just moved that bed to a guest room. You should feel lucky. <laughs> lots my, of memories are made in my, that yeah, Lots of memories. That's where my daughter came from. <laughs> anyway, sleep good. Make sure you sleep on the left side, not the right side. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you why either. <laughs> Number two, provide more than one towel. This one got me kind of confused because I only need one towel. Not for some women though, Russ. Okay. Agreed. Women, I have a feeling that the, that that's why this got to be number two is because a lot of women responded to the survey. As a dude, <clears throat> as a, I'm sorry to cut you off. As a no, dude, you're, you're, all you think of is, did you wipe your booty with this side of the towel? Because <laughs> everything else you can wipe off with the other side of the towel. Women, on the other hand, they need a towel for their hair and a towel for their body and maybe even a towel for their feet. I feel as though we just learned something new about Uncle Steve today. Yep. And I'm never touching one of your towels again. <laughs> My towel. <laughs> Number one, be helpful if a guest has a question. And that kind of goes without saying. It's kind of the natural social etiquette of things. Don't talk to me. I heard there was water around here. Uh, can you just put me in the right direction? <laughs> Figure it out for yourself, Johnny. Yeah. Hey, can you tell me where the nearest gas station is? My car's on empty. I gave you the password already. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> what else do you want? I'm feeding you. I gave you my Wi-Fi password to use it on my toilet paper. I'm trying to be the hostess with the mostest over here, okay? Anything else you need, princess? Uh, and then the, the, the final one is the top 10 worst things hosts say their guests have done. These are actual things that people have reported. And so we'll once again go for number 10, number one. Number 10, punched a hole in the wall. It's stupid that the Cowboys lost. <laughs> <laughs> number nine, set the room on fire. <laughs> oh, so we're not having my favorite dish? Well... <laughs> Then if I don't eat it, no one eats it. Can you imagine, like, you you have, like, a house full of guests, whether they're friends or, and or family, and then one of the rooms catches on fire? I mean, at least you'd have kind of, like, your makeshift firefighter platoon there, you know, provide no one freaks out, but my goodness. Number eight, stole one of my Wii remotes. You know, the N Nintendo Wii? Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking these. Colby the Cousin. No one <laughs> I have a feeling I know who smite this and they shall pay. Number seven, let a pet sleep in the bed with them. Let a pet sleep? What's so wrong with that? Let a pet? Oh, wait a minute. Let a pet sleep in the bed with them. Oh, oh, it's probably their pet. They probably brought their pet 
to their to the host house, and then they slept together. Yeah, that's not good. That's kind of a eyebrow raising one right there. Number six left crushed Oreos all over my brand new mattress. Ooh. A little bit of that old midnight snack. Uh, I've got a case of the Oreo munchies. <laughs> Must have been from when I lit up earlier. <laughs> it wasn't good enough that I had pumpkin pie for dessert. Now for dessert part two. <laughs> Dessertsies. <laughs> We have this thing, my wife and I, where, you know, before we get it on, we just love to crush Oreos and just do the hanky-panky <laughs> with crumbs. Number five, got drunk and redid my Christmas decorations. <laughs> no, this doesn't go well right here. You need to move it. I think it looks better over there. <laughs> the star doesn't go on the top of the tree. It goes to the bottom. <laughs> All this garlands misplaced. I would zigzag it. It needs to be straight. Straight like an arrow. <laughs> Number four, ate my leftovers from the fridge. Oh, yeah, this is great. Oh, still this? hungry. Mm. This Chick-fil-A, three-day salt. Yeah, it's still good. <laughs> Number three, caught them taking money out of my wife's purse. That's uh, <laughs> it's just what it looks like. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, uh, uh. I can explain. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a second. Formulating my thoughts. <laughs> uh, I was going to get more Martinelli's. I figured we were out of yeah. <laughs> We were out of ice. I didn't have any cash. But this isn't Monopoly money. We were playing Monopoly in the other room. <laughs> I ran out of $500 bills. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Number two, broke my couch. Hmm. A little too, a little too wild, a little too rough. It's okay. We were going to be replacing that set anyway. And the number one worst thing hosts say their guests have done. Slept in the living room naked. <laughs> that would be something you would do. I would totally do that to you just because it was you. Like I wouldn't wear like a blanket or anything. I would just, I would totally just lay there and I would just sprawl out limbs, just falling off every which way of the couch, just to make it look as unflattering as possible. I know you shower in the mornings too, so which that means all your body fluids and grease would have been like body soaking into the juices. <laughs> Honey, stay upstairs. No, 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 no. <laughs> stay upstairs. Uh. <laughs> Where's something sparkly? It's time for the topic of the day. Our topic of the day is the Frozen 2 movie review. Of course, the movie came out 
over this past weekend to much fanfare and anticipation, and we wouldn't be doing our jobs correctly if we were to pass on our analysis of the Disney tinpole film Frozen 2. So we'll be giving our high-level spoiler-free thoughts up front before we go into the spoiler elevator and give a more spoiler cast analysis. Steve! You have had kind of an interesting situation with this in the in the sense that you ended up watching Frozen 2 before you watched Frozen 1. I did. Did were you able to kind of unscramble everything and get kind of a good idea of the chronological order of how things came to be? Uh, I was. Oh good. That's real good, Steve. Steve, what did you think? And hopefully you don't get anything confused with the details of Frozen 1. But in terms of Frozen 2, I'd like to hear what you thought? Russ, <laughs> the details are icy cold. Oh! Wah. Now... But are uh, they sparkling? Yeah. <laughs> and what, so, what I thought was basically, it was a... Now, this is going to sound funny, Russ, but you got to hear me out. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was a preemptive laugh. If you think that's funny, you'll think this is really funny. Anyhow, it's, it's a... I thought it was a Disney princess movie for chicks. Mm-hmm. Now you think that might sound a little bit funny because you think Disney princess and they're all, you know, of course they're going to be for chicks because they're Disney princesses. But I am here to tell you, I enjoy a good Disney princess film. I know you do. I enjoyed Tangled. I enjoyed The Little Mermaid. I enjoyed Beauty and the Beast. I enjoyed Snow White. I enjoyed Cinderella. I enjoyed a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But, and as a man with a carpet for chest hair, <laughs> <laughs> And butt hair. <laughs> no. Anyway, <laughs> no, the butt's wax. <laughs> Squeaky clean like a porcelain doll. Uh, yeah. I will say this one was more for the ladies. I think I was there and um, it, it just seemed like it was a chick flick. You know? I could see how, it, how you would see that. How it, it would lean a bit more toward the ladies. So for somebody, I, I just didn't, I thought I was probably the wrong audience. To see it. And that being said, being in the theater and hearing all little kids laugh and stuff, yeah, that was enjoyable. You know, everybody, sure. was, that was nice. The music was beautiful. I, um, I did go to sleep for about 15 minutes. It was a great nap. It was phenomenal nap. Uh-huh. Um, well, I'll tell you where that happened when we get to the spoilers. But I did go to sleep. I didn't feel that the story was as strong. Actually, the whole Frozen story, I almost don't feel like it's as strong as other Disney movies. Mm. It just seems like, and especially with Frozen 2, after watching Frozen 1, it just, this movie seemed like it was a bridge movie to like a Frozen 3 that they're actually working, doing a lot more time to create. It, it seems like this wasn't like a whole blockbuster. This should have been a like frozen to DVD kind of movie, like straight to rental sort of thing. I just didn't feel like it was that much of a blockbuster that Disney had to really rush out another frozen two after frozen one as a sequel. I mean, if you think about, you know, there wasn't, I mean, I think there, Disney has a lot of straight to like rental movies, like with the little mermaid and Aladdin and whatever. But as far as like the blockbuster released in the theater, they don't haven't had a whole lot of sequels. Uh huh. And they had one for this one. It just didn't seem. It just didn't make much sense why they would rush this one out. Because I didn't feel like it was that much of a blockbuster movie that 
I don't know, maybe they didn't have, I don't know, maybe they didn't have any, many ideas on the table and they just thought, okay, Frozen 2 it is, let's go. <laughs> and they just had to kind of make this movie to help build the world of Frozen so that when Frozen 3 comes out, it's like a bigger movie. That's how I felt. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say that I, I see what you're talking about because in the first uh, Frozen, say Freezer, in the first Freezer movie, <laughs> the first Frozen movie, I think it, there wasn't necessarily a plan for sequels. I think it was a standalone film and it was a, uh, it was a really neat approach. I thought it was, it was cool in the sense that you have these sisters and the story itself just revolved around these siblings, which was kind of a departure from kind of the, the classic storylines that Disney tends to do of having like some sort of, a uh, fair princess or whatever. And she falls in love with a dude and they, you know, try and make things work. And there's some sort of conflict that's there. This was actually predominantly focused on the idea that you have these sisters that were super close. And then they, um, you know, the, the, due to Elsa having these magical powers that, that, uh, you know, are considered dangerous, that sort of thing. So the first film, that was a big thing. And even the way that the first film ended was also very original too. So when you get to frozen two, I think that that was a, that I think they had to kind of hit the drawing board with a different approach because they had already explored what they wanted to in the first film. And so where do you go from here? And I think this was actually a, a nice trajectory for the frozen mythos. I think in terms of them getting pulled away, I was, I was really glad um, about the, the adventures that they went on to. We'll get into detail about in a, in a little bit, but I thought overall it was a fun movie. I think the the music was, for the most part, really well done. I do think that there was a little too much music. I think if they had perhaps like um, edited out maybe two or three songs that maybe it would have just flowed a little bit better overall. I think I was looking for a little bit more exposition. In terms of the visuals and that sort of thing, I mean, you're going to have a great time. It's a lot of fun, uh, really impressive with just the technical artistry of it, so... I think I think it's it's a fun it's a fun family film for folks to see during the holidays. And with that said, Steve, come on with me into the spoiler elevator. Spoiler elevator feels like how you normally set the AC in this place. Steve, do you like my dress? I I, I yeah, actually I do. I do. I picked out some extra shiny sequins wanted to make sure the light just creates those optical flares in a way that shows off my man boobs. Yeah, I think it's the straplessness that shows off your man boobs. You know, the strapless was actually kind of a risque thing for me to do because I wasn't sure how exactly it would hold up, but due to the fact I have plenty of back hair, it helps to keep things up and secure. all, all All those individual follicles or like extra strings holding it together. Steve, you mind uh, taking your hands off the elevator door? You're turning it into ice. Yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> wow. It's just condensation, Russ. It's condensation. <laughs> you're making me nervous. You're, you're breathing really quickly to like <laughs> draw a smiley face on the yeah. door, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are at the spoiler level where we are going to be talking in detail about this film. So if you haven't seen it, we definitely encourage you to 
you know, perhaps pause us so we don't give any spoilers away. If you don't care, then just keep on listening. So going into the plot of Frozen 2, the idea being that Elsa, the main character, hears some sort of beckoning call, and she's not sure where it's coming from or who it's by, but she feels compelled to answer the call after attempting to ignore it over and over again. And she comes to realize that the, all is not well with the elements and how even her beloved kingdom is under duress due to the fact that these elements are hellbent on getting her to come to some undisclosed location. Actually, it, her, the kingdom wasn't under duress. She made it under duress by calling out all the elements. Nothing was going on before she goes, I'm curious, because smash. And that's true. That's very true. Everybody she, she was got a little too into her, you know, you know the, the exactly. music and everything. And, and she decided she was going to go for it. And she kind of. Um, Oops. All town has to evacuate. My bad. I was just <laughs> curious. Oopsie daisies. But don't I look fabulous in this dress? <laughs> That's very true, Steve. That's very true. But I was very happy that they decided to have the story take place outside the kingdom because we had already been to the kingdom in the first film. We had kind of explored all that there is to explore around that area. I want to get them out of their geographical comfort zones. And we did. We decided to go find out where this calling was emitting from. And it brought us, of course, to this area that had a large uh, bridge. It was a dam. Dam. Uh, something that, that blocked water from the fjord, and so we learned more about that. Actually, the, 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 the voice wasn't coming from there. It was coming from an island. Well, kind of. Because like, if you recall, like it was, well, sure. Well, yeah, it was. But the, the calling kind of subsided a bit when they got to the fog, if you recall, because mm -hmm. they, they kind of made their way through that, and then all of a sudden they were introduced to these two different bands, one of which actually came from their hometown, and the other ones were more native to that foresty area. But, I, you know, I'll say this. When it comes to the plot, I did like seeing the progression of the relationship, you know, the friendship between the sisters as well as um, some of the other characters. And, you know, in the first film, we're being introduced to them. We're seeing kind of what's happening. And even the siblings themselves, they didn't, they didn't have a relationship. They, they had seen each other for the first time in years. So now we get to see kind of this ongoing thing, which was cool. And I was glad to see more of these other types of characters that come from that, that palace area. But when it comes to the elements, I liked, you know, the elements is kind of a safe place to have storytelling, you know, earth, wind, fire, water, that sort of thing. Tangible stuff, right? Tangible stuff. And I, for one, was thinking about um, the different characters. Obviously, Gale was the wind. It's a nice name for Gale. Nice name for Gale. Gale is a nice name for wind. How about that? Yeah, a little double entendre. But in terms of some of the other characters, um, I was hoping for... I guess some other humanoid characters and we'll get to that in a bit when we actually talk about more about the characters uh, specifically. But of course we, we find out through the plots and whatnot that not as all as it should be, not as all well. And there's um, kind of a conflict going on between these two factions as, as well as 
Elsa's desire to you know answer this call, and and we discover that um, what the what was once thought of as like a, a gesture of peace actually was more of a gesture of manipulation. And I actually like that. I thought it was pretty cool how in the plot line you have this discovery of Elsa and Anna's grandfather actually double crossing the, the, the kind of the peace treaty that was established in order to gain power and how the, the dam wasn't necessarily for safety so much as it was to actually like cause a drought for the other side and weaken their position, that sort of thing. So, I mean, I found myself appreciating, oh, well, that was definitely a plot twist. I thought that was very interesting. And, of course, the only way of going through that is that Elsa makes her way to that island that you talk about, Steve. And she's able to go into kind of this cavern of memories. And then becomes too cold for her even. Well, it's like she goes in too deep to all the memories yeah. and she can't handle it and she starts to freeze up herself. Yeah, she freezes over. Kind of a opposite of what happened in the first film when Anna got frozen. Mm. So yeah, it's a little switcheroo there. Yeah. But of course, as Disney films would have it, they find a way to be able to... Love conquers it. all. Exactly. <laughs> conquers all. They're, they're able to... Get the giants, the huge giants represents it's Earth. The Earth spirits, Russ. Exactly. I'm telling you, that's what they are. And they were able to take out the, the dam and have the water rush on through and, you know, all those back to being honky-dory again, which is good. So, again, the plot line itself isn't exactly the most intricate plot or the biggest plot, but in terms of, like I said, moving kind of forward outside of the realms to, to find out more about the area, that sort of thing, it works. It's good. Now, in terms of the characters, this is what I was alluding to earlier. So, when it came to the the fire spirit, right out, of, they basically took the lizard out of Tangled, and uh, that's what I was going to. Yeah. I was totally going to say that they literally took it was like the lizard from Tangled all of a sudden made a cameo in this film, and they set him on fire. And I was surprised about that, due to the fact that when the credits were rolling in this film, they had another variation of the song. Into the Unknown, which of course is that that's like their their tentpole song. Into the Unknown. Oh my gosh. I don't know why they didn't hire you instead. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> right? I thought it was very striking to actually hear a male voice during the credits. Into the unknown. <laughs> Into the unknown. Eat your heart out, Elsa. <laughs> James, so, uh, James Hetfield. No, nah. Yeah. That was awesome. Whoa. The moment all you dudes in the theater have been waiting for. This just suddenly got a whole lot better. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when I, when I was listening to that, I actually really enjoyed the, the rendition that had the male voice to it and it actually had kind of more of a, a rock and roll song to it. And it got me thinking, Steve. It got the creative juices a-flowing in this, man. Uh-huh. And it, it has to do with... The lizard. And I was thinking to myself, you know, the lizard was a kind of a weak approach to that particular character. I think it would have been really, really cool to have a male character introduced as the fire element. Now, this doesn't mean that Elsa would have some sort of instant romance with this character um, or ever. Because I think one of the attributes that's truly unique about Elsa is the fact that she's pretty much the only Disney princess type or queen that doesn't have a romantic interest. That's just, you know, she's very autonomous. 
She likes to do her own thing. And I think that's very original in terms of the Disney pedigree of different princesses and that sort of thing. And I think that resonates a lot with women because they like the idea of having um, a female that is independent and that doesn't, you know, have this, this, this overwhelming desire to like have to find a guy and that sort of thing. And I think it plays a nice contrast to her sister, Anna, who is that? You know, she's all about finding that, that perfect somebody. That, that is all surface level stuff. What it really is, is that Disney knows that if she got romantically involved and married some dude, he would be complaining because she would always want to warm up her feet on him while they slept at night. And he would go buck wild and have to like always run to the fireplace. You know that's true. I think that there may be an iota of truth to that, Steve. Perhaps so. The 0.0001% of you agree. Now. (laughs) That's the the nitty gritty, the nectar of the truth. (laughs) But I, I wanted to get your opinion on that just because I think I think you agree with me in the sense that the lizard itself wasn't the best choice in terms of a visual representation of the fire element. But I think in terms of having perhaps like an equal in terms of, of, of Elsa where maybe the, the male character could also be someone who's, you know, he's not looking to be romantically involved with anyone. He's just someone who also heard the call he found himself coming to the island as well or whatever it is because Elsa was more of a bridge character. If you recall in the, the plot, they were talking about how due to her being ice that she was the one who was kind of bridging all these different elements together. That's why the elements were coming to her. And so that made sense to me because I was thinking, gosh, it would be really, really cool if they were able to continue that song into the unknown where it starts with Elsa. She has the female rendition of it. But then upon meeting this fire element spirit, he's able to also sing the same song where perhaps he doesn't know what's in store for him. He's following the call as well. So there is that commonality that they share. And then ultimately we would be able to have another character within the frozen universe that I think would be really memorable and cool. And that that could be, like I said, more of a male character, because if you think about it, like Olaf is kind of, asexual. He's not, I mean, fine. It's more on the male side because he has a male voice, but he's this fantastical creation made out of snow. Kristoff is really the only kind of supporting actor character that's there because the main stars are Elsa and Anna. Now, having said that, I did really like um, the one African-American guard that was uh, there. Actually, one of my favorite scenes was when they were, I think it was playing a memory back when, um, Elsa and Anna's father was a child and there was some danger that was happening. And so he like said, get behind me and and was protecting him. I really love that visual. I thought that was super cool. And his personality, even through throughout, like as you saw him was really refreshing. I I thought uh, he was probably one of my favorite characters in the entire uh, frozen universe. When it came to the, the, the fire spirit though, what did you, what, what are your thoughts on my idea? Yeah, I think that could definitely work. I think they, had to come out with something that was cute and cuddly. I mean, they already had Olaf. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but I mean, Olaf is not. They had Olaf is not a, a the snow spirit because that's Elsa. They, but you're talking about the fire spirit. Yeah, they had to come out with something that's cute and cuddly, and that was probably kind of small because Gale, even though Gale could be big, Gale could also be small, and the Earth Gale beings, was was invisible because it's wind. Right, the Earth beings were just rock giants. Right, and so to have anything that I think that was walking on two legs again would be kind of probably in Disney's eyes, redundant. And so they had to have some sort of animal that could be 
cute and feisty at the same time. Yeah. And a lizard, hmm, I could see it working, even though it's pretty much from Tingled. So, uh, <laughs> well, and I think one of the other things too is when it comes to the elements, like for instance, I think the water element it was that horse right. that Elsa came across because I, at first I, I got a little confused about thinking that Elsa was the water element, but she's not, she's ice. She's, she's again, kind of this acting bridge between the different elements. So I think the horse was supposed to be the water spirit. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I, I just feel like there was an opportunity there that if, uh, if I were to put on my constructive criticism hat, I would say it would have been cool to have seen that. And even if at the end of the film, the, the fire, like the male character, fire spirit and Elsa were just strictly plutonic. They were just friends. They had respect for each other in terms of their origins. And maybe there was some curiosity to visit his kingdom or wherever he's from or whatever it is. I don't know. There's just a lot of different opportunities that could have been uh, explored. I think in future installments of the film, because of course the series is ridiculously popular with uh, all the kids, especially the girls. So what did you think in terms of the emotionality of the film? As far as like everyone reacting to the seriousness or non-seriousness? Well, were there any scenes in the film that caught, that kind of pulled at your heartstrings or that got made you feel a little choked up? No. I got to say, I got actually a little choked up when Olaf was starting to die off. I was not expecting that at all. And, you know, like he's starting to flurry away. And I think just the, the way that it was performed and the quality of animation, um, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm actually getting a little choked up over Olaf. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see that, but in the way they kind of did it was a little predictable and maybe a little bit cliche where I knew, I mean, once Elsa got frozen, I thought, okay, Olaf, uh, she was keeping Olaf alive and basically, um, and now that she's frozen, she's not really alive anymore. Therefore, Olaf is probably going to get weak or even die. And sure enough, he started flaking off. I was like, yeah, that's coming from Olaf. And, and sure <laughs> he enough, was such a heart of stone. Yeah, he's dying. Yeah, whatever. he's dying, you know, and um, I don't care. Happiness sucks. <laughs> so, and I mean, it, it's that common thing where like, you know, if you if you if you have a feeling towards like your Teddy Ruxpin or your machine or your animal or Love whatever, Teddy Ruxpin. and the, the being of sorts dies, of course, that, you know, that being of, of that's not human dies, you're going to have an emotional attachment to it. And of course that's you know going to resonate with everybody, but I kind of figured, ah, they had to throw it in there and they did. And I mean, he didn't, you know, cough up, you know, a bunch of blood and be like, oh, God, die. anything. And he Hold was just me close to red. <laughs> it's getting dark. <laughs> um, and so he says, I like warm hugs. Yeah. I was like, okay, got it. Uh, and there were some sniffles in there. I, maybe I'm just a hard man to please, Russ, but I figured they would do it that way and they did it. That For some way. reason, that doesn't surprise me at all, Steve. <laughs> Russ, when it comes to you, doesn't surprise me one bit. You're day. just sensitive. I'm a softy, Steve, <laughs> and I appreciate good storytelling. I actually, speaking of storytelling, I was really impressed with a lot of the different facial animations that they had in the movie. You know, just going into more of like the the technical aspects of it, when Anna was crying and she was mourning the the sister and that sort of thing, I was actually really impressed with all of the emotionality that they were able to to get through and express with the various facial animations that she was doing. 
even like like if one of the characters were to like press their hand on their cheek and kind of push, you know, that kind of absent-minded, you know, you kind of put your hand on there and you pull down slightly, you can see almost like this musculature secondary animation that's going on where it just, it gave more of a fleshiness for lack of a better way of describing it. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, they uh, they had some good effects there, Russ. I'll give you that. I just think that overall, um, the 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 technical marvel of the film is really impressive. Whether it was the ocean or you had different types of architectural um, interactions and movements, you know, especially when you had the elements that were disturbing things that were going on. I'll tell you what looked good, Russ. What looked good? I'm, I'm not going to let you pass the ball. I'm just going to take it. What I thought was <laughs> give impressive. Me that. <laughs> yeah, give me that. Another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle reference there. With the pizza. Indeed. Michelangelo. Anyway. Was the effects they put on the clothing. The clothing effects were very impressive I as well. I thought that was pretty ridiculous. The yeah. silk looked like silk. The felt looked like felt. And the patterns on the clothes were really well done as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the whole CG cartoon, those clothes look pretty unreal there, Russ. Yeah, the, the cloth simulation on it was probably the, some of the best I've seen, especially like more of the storm scenes where mm. the wind is just blowing it every which way, that sort of thing. And the hair also. Hair, you, took the, you took the hair right out of my head with that one. I took the hair right out of your mouth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's in between my teeth. <laughs> it was down my throat. It's wrapped around my uvula. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve. I forgot to tell you. What? Where I fell asleep. I don't see how. Did you did you watch this in the XD theater? I sure did watch it in the XD theater. I think you fell asleep because you probably stayed up till two no, in the morning, like your no, wife no. let me know the other day. No, no, trying to act like oh, I'm gonna bed at like midnight. Yeah, no, you don't no. get to bed at two. No, we no, we do go to to. <laughs> I have been going to bed earlier. Yes. <coughs> Thank you for coughing directly into my eardrum. I, I'm terribly sorry, Steve. In between my ears, got this and funny my visual in my mind, oh. and the saliva decided to go down the wrong pipe. Nice. So where I fell asleep was 1:45 a.m. No, Kristoff was practicing how he was going to propose to Anna, and was they had already been in the little magical misty forest. And he's, <laughs> I happen to like that magical misty forest. <laughs> he would, he said something and then the queen of the, or the leader of the tribe came up and said, like, I'm not Anna. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm out. Peace. And I went <laughs> out in the dream world. I was content. What did your wife think of the movie, Steve? And then I woke up right when Elsa started doing the uh, last airbender with the ocean and throwing ice and water and air and whatever. That's, That's when I cool. woke up. Nice visual. She thought it was okay. She didn't. She didn't really care for it that much. Uh, she thought it. She was about the same as Frozen One. Okay. Um. So yeah. I mean, I think she liked it more than I did. But um, you know who actually liked it a lot, Ross? You're gonna be surprised at this. Who? Mom. Why would I be surprised at all about that? She. Ooh, excuse me. I had a little bit of a clumpiness there. <laughs> She was sitting right next to me in the theater, and she told me immediately afterwards that she liked it. She she is a quintessential Disney fan, Steve. Yeah, not really. 
She, what do you mean, not really? Not really. She loves all the Disney movies. No, not, not, not all the latest ones. She's hardly even seen any of them. Well, she, the okay. Well, okay, hold on. So she <laughs> doesn't, she doesn't get a chance. <laughs> no, she doesn't get a chance to go to the theater because our dad refuses to go the, to the movies. And so she doesn't want to go by herself. Having said that, the ones that she has seen, whether they are Pixar films or they're Disney films. Do you know if she's seen Tangled? Yes, we showed it to her. We did? Well, at least I did. When? Before I moved out here. Good for you. Thank you. Did she like it? Yeah. See? Well, Tangled, Tangled was good. Well, I'm telling you, I, I think that she tends, I, I can't think of a single Disney film that she said I didn't like that. Well, I just thought it was kind of a bridge movie to what's going to be something out Frozen 3. Uh-huh. I didn't really care much for the characters. I thought Kristoff, he was just kind of a, you know, kind of a wasted character. I mean, he was he played more of a part in the first one than he did in the second one. He, he kind of played that cliche role again of I'm going to try and propose this girl and she's going to ignore it. For the entire film until the end. Like, what I, other I movies have they made where the what? man is trying to propose to the girl? They or Disney? Disney. I'm not sure what Disney's done, but I've seen that done in other movies. And so I expected that when he first started to say it to his uh, to his reindeer, Sven, uh-huh. he's like, oh, this is going to happen. I'm like, this is going to be the way it is throughout the whole movie. And it was that way throughout the whole movie. I thought, dude, does this guy do anything else? He sells ice. Yeah. Well, in the first one he did. So anyhow, (laughs) I don't know. I just thought it it made me think of other Disney films that I appreciate where the the main character um, has some thought process as to why they're doing what they're doing. They just don't go with their first gut reaction. Like, I'm just going to do this and whatever happens, happens. And that's exactly what was happening with Elsa and Anna in this movie. Like, whatever they felt like just doing, they just did it and the repercussions are the repercussions and that's the way it's going to be. Well, they're spontaneous, Steve. <laughs> I know, but spot, come on. Not every character has to be a cookie cutter. I if everyone was Ariel the Little Mermaid, which actually she was spontaneous too, come to think of it. Yeah, she was, but she wasn't. She knew, Ariel knew. <laughs> Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you say my collection's complete? Wouldn't you say I'm the girl? The girl who has everything. Yeah, right. Um, now, Ariel had a choice. <laughs> she she wanted to be with her boo on land and didn't want to show him that she was a mermaid. They were uh, not in a relationship uh, uh, yet. Yeah, yet, no. But she went to Ursula and said, hey, I know you're a witch. This I got is the hots for this big boy. Yeah, he's got a big Brown head. eyes, I think it was. Full head of hair. He's 6'5". I'm full of muscle. That's the guy I want. I feel some <laughs> eggs dropping tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think the ocean's cool? Just wait. <laughs> so anyhow, she knew there was a sacrifice, and she, and, and she went ahead and did it. And, uh, because she wanted to be with him. So she thought about it for a little bit and she knew that Ursula was evil. She probably knew that I probably shouldn't do this, but I can't stop thinking about him. And she thought about it. She just didn't go with her gut and just do whatever. Elsa and Anna just kind of do it. People didn't have to be evacuated out of 
Arendelle uh-huh. or Rivendell, excuse me. Oh wait, no, Arendelle. Arendelle. It's, it's it's Norwegian Steve. Right. They didn't have to be evacuated out of their homes with the fear of this dam breaking and the whole town being flooded unless she woke up the spirits. She woke up the spirits, everybody had to go. Uh-huh. And then um <laughs> Where are you going and with then, this? And then like Anna, like Anna had to break down the dam without telling anybody because uh, the water had to come out. There couldn't be like any kind of a negotiation or like, okay, let's just make this She was easy. being chased by giants. Steve. Which she woke up. Yes. She woke him up. Yeah, of course. Put everybody in danger. Because Elsa was no more. Mm, yeah. Turned like, into a wonderful ice sculpture. So everybody of Arendelle now is fleeing for their lives for the second time. And then- Gives them something to talk about. The, you know? da- the dam breaks and the water's <laughs> gushing to it. It's only seems to be like a mile away from Arendelle, by the way. It's kind of made it seem like it was miles away, but it's only like a mile away. And then- <laughs> well, what do you ex- what do you expect? Though? We're gonna we're gonna have like fifty scenes of the water just rolling down the I river. Know, but then but, Elsa, uh, 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 it, it hasn't hit Arendelle yet. But then we gotta Elsa, wait five more minutes. Elsa like appears out of nowhere and like redirects the water and said like, "No, everybody can just coexist. It's okay. This never even had to happen." And so if Anna just stopped for a little bit and just to think about, I don't know. I just, I couldn't get behind the characters. The singing was beautiful, Russ. The singing was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I couldn't what get behind- What was your favorite song, Steve? Oh, like, I know all the songs? Well, there were, I'm not saying all of them. I'm just asking you if there was one that stuck out more than the others. Oh. I happen to really like Into the Unknown. I think that in terms of it being a tentpole Into song- Into the Unknown! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that probably would have stuck in my head. Now, if if they- It's better than, uh, what was the other one? What do you mean, what is the other one? The, the first Let frozen? it go. Yeah. Let it go. Times 50,000. See, I, I think Into the Unknown is way better than Let It Go. I wouldn't mind Let It Go if I didn't have it shoved down my throat for 2013, 2014, and 2015. Not to mention uh, the years after that, too. I was just glad not to have any more Let It Go. I had Let It Go long ago. Yeah, but you're going to be reacquiring it if you have a daughter anytime soon. <laughs> Daddy, what's frozen? No, no, no. It's <laughs> just cold outside. That's what it is. Anyway, moving right along. This is past your uh, age <laughs> forever. <laughs> Come on, Dad. You know, if that, if that were to happen, I would like introduce it to her over here. And then she, <laughs> I would buy her a copy just so she could bring it home. <laughs> Okay, so you, you you didn't tell me, Steve. What, what song is your favorite? I don't have a favorite. I was just glad. You just like the music. I, did I, you think I, there I was the too music. much music? Um, I Actually, I did. Because I saw Frozen 2 before Frozen 1, I didn't know how much music. There was like tons of music. There was a ton of music. I agree. Like walking every 20 steps, it's like, we haven't sang for anything in a while. Let's think of some lyrics and say something in style. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, I was surprised you were able to come up with that like, on the fly. Oh, okay. I guess we're singing again. This is a, this a musical or what is this? Why do you keep talking to me in song? Are you, you just, it takes a lot less effort just to talk. Wildlife loves singing, apparently, because <clears throat> they're attracted to humans. Yeah. Watch what happens when I sing. These birds are going to fly out of nowhere <laughs> and just swirl around me looking all happy. And reindeer look all fluffy and misty-eyed all of a sudden. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I feel so... Connected to nature. <laughs> when I, when you're evacuated out of your kingdom. <laughs> yeah, this is terrible. Let's sing a song about it. <laughs> Makes the time go by fast. You know, we don't have cars out here. <laughs> this is back in the old days. We walk everywhere. So 
Okay, what are your concluding thoughts and rating for this film? Well, all that was my concluding thought, Russ. All that was my concluding thought. I, I'm gonna probably going to roll my eyes. I know it sounds bad. I don't mean to moan, Russ. I'm just going to roll my eyes. If they you don't mean a, to moan, you're just going to groan. That's right. If they make a throw, a, a throzen. <laughs> if a they make throzen. a throw up three. Wait. <laughs> An icy cold barf three. No, uh, that sounds bad. <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> yeah, I bet you in places like an Arendelle, if you honk a loogie, it'd freeze before it hit the ground. <laughs> you ever thought of that, huh? <laughs> Or if you hawk it up to the roof and it just forms an icicle. Instantly. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I so Frozen 1, I, th I thought was a little bit better than Frozen 2. But it wasn't that much better. So if they make a Frozen 3, I, I just might just roll my eyes a little bit. Thinking, I don't know if I can do it a third time. I can hardly even do it a first time. Mm -hmm. I did it twice. Tobacco. Tobacco. <laughs> We do not endorse tobacco at all in this program. <laughs> Definitely not sponsored by any tobacco products. So what is your uh, your star rating, Steve? Two and a half. Two and a half stars, he says. Well, Steve, uh -huh. I will have you know that as a father of a daughter, it was a lot of fun to be able to take my daughter to this particular film. It was a bummer that you did not join us as well. It would have been very nice to have you there. I will say that I think the exposition from the first film was a bit more solid than this one. But having said that, I did like the direction they took the film. I think the first half of the film was a little more muddy in terms of the storytelling. But then once the, the wheels got turning, then it started to make a lot more sense and it was a lot of fun. I did also like how they decided to go back through the memories because obviously in the first film, there are a number of memories that took place with regards to Elsa and Anna being children. And then the, of course them coming of age later on in the movie itself. And so it's nice because we don't really have any kind of parents that exist in the first film. And I thought it was cool to be able to actually go farther back than that, be able to um, explore who their mother and father were. And I, for one really liked how we learned about the way their parents met. They met as children. The mother actually protected their father when they were kids. And they actually served almost as like a um, kind of a, a unification of peace between these two different groups of people. I don't even understand why they had to be at war with each other. I mean, like the, the grandfather just goes, ah, we don't like magic, so we're just going to kill them all. Well, no, I think the grandfather saw more. Well, he was, the grandfather was all about power. He liked the lands that the people lived on and he saw just an opportunity to be able to further his kingdom. And so he double crossed the other people because they initially like the whole damn thing, for instance, was supposed to be a token of peace and prosperity between these two different villages or tribes of people, whatever you want to call them. But the grandfather, he was a, a, a naughty grandpa. So the villain was the grandfather. Ultimately, that's who it was. Yeah, the grandfather. Um, that's why you saw that memory of him sneaking up with his sword drawn against the leader of the other clan or group or tribe. So the villain of the first one was a bad boyfriend and the villain of the second one is a gra bad grandpa. Pretty much. Pretty nice. much. Okay. But it was neat to be able to go through because, again, it creates more of that intrigue with the family tree. And obviously, um, when, you, when you think of a lot of these different types of royal families within the different Disney stories, they tend to be rather infallible. 
you just kind of look at them and they go, oh, there's like loving mother, loving father, loving grandfather, whatever. And then that's kind of the extent of it. And then you are led to believe that, oh, they, they, they come from good stock. They come from good family. And so it's actually pretty original when if you think about it, about how this was kind of a skeleton in the closet they, they discovered where, wow, grandfather actually was not a very good person. Family drama. Exactly. It happens on Thanksgiving. So it was, it was interesting to see that. And also, too, just furthering and fleshing out more of the relationship of Elsa and Anna's parents. I thought it was cool. Like, like they weren't, again, just these fancy adults in formal attire that you see for 30 seconds in the film. It's like, oh, wow, this is how they met. This is kind of the, the catalyst for how these, these clans got together. And it reminded everybody. I don't know. I, for one, appreciated that. Of course, the animation is top of the line. I noticed in the credits that there were several prominent Pixar names, such as Andrew Stanton, who were helping out. And that's no surprise to me at all because Pixar is kind of the ace in the hole for Disney as it applies to 3D animated feature films. And the music itself, you know, to your point, I think it was very strong. I just think that there was too much of it. I really would have liked it if they had taken out, maybe edited two or three songs out of it. Maybe save it for like the director's cut. <laughs> Do something like that. And finally, the only other constructive criticism I have is really when it comes to that fire spirit, I was wanting to see uh, some sort of male protagonist, some sort of male supportive character that Elsa and Anna and the rest of the crew got to meet. That wasn't a bad guy or and again, an empty suit. <laughs> exactly. Well, and if you think about fire, I mean, typically when you see a character in these Disney movies that have fire, they tend to be evil. Well, it would have been kind of a neat spin to be able to put it on a character that no, yeah. actually this is a, this is a, a good right. person. This is a, a protagonist. And of course, explore some of the relationships that perhaps could have butted out from that. Like having a, like a warm fireplace instead of go. a, instead of a forest fire with inviting embers right in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, back to the kids movie. Anyway, um, I would say I'm going to give this movie three stars. I think that if I were to compare this film to the, 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 the first film, the first Frozen movie, I would probably be more prone to give it you know, 3.5 to 4 stars. I think overall it was just a stronger uh, presentation, but I am not here to say that, that the Frozen 2 was a bad film by any stretch. I think that it was personally a, a very enjoyable film. It was a lot of fun. There were things about it that I thought were super cool, and I don't like, I don't know if they're going to be making a frozen three. They probably will. But I just think as long as they're able to take the, the plot in a very succinct, clear direction that is original and stuff, they can make as many sequels as they want. But as it stands to this day, I, for one, was just really glad that my daughter's birthday included a trip to the movie theater to see her favorite Disney princess, which technically, I guess she's a queen, but Elsa is her lady. Her leading lady, Steve. So it was a lot of fun. That's because she hasn't met Belle yet. Well, I think she has met <laughs> Belle. I, th I think she actually has a couple of dolls that uh, are also Belle-oriented, although their heads seem like they're a little too large for their not bodies. They have great. That, that, Come on, Disney, get it together. Yeah, that stylized thing. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but 
Anyway, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm. That's spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M. And consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night night at 9 30 p.m central time happy thanksgiving to all of you and we'll see you next week